and beyond all the numbers and stats, man, being in the um, waiting room with a family and just watching, I'm getting, I'm getting choked up, um, watching them come out and be like, we got two kids. It's cool, man. That's it so was cool. Awesome, man. And just living that moment with that family and you go, beyond the job, this moment is so impactful. Welcome back to another episode. This is a very, very special episode where we are not just doing any episode, but this is the conclusion of a journey that we have set out on almost a year ago to bring this crazy idea to life called the Rough Cut Club. And we are not ending the Rough Cut Club because I know it was sounding like that, but we are ending season one of the Rough Cut Club with this episode. So this is a very, very special episode here in the studio with my amazingly talented co-host, Mr. Shane Reitzammer. Shane, how are you today, my friend? Great. Uh, I totally thought you were about to fire me on air because you were like, this is the conclusion. <laughs> this is the conclusion is of Shane's time here last with us. <laughs> show you'll ever do as my co-host. That's right. Uh, special announcement. Uh, no, buddy, we want to keep you here to see stay couldn't do this without you but man it has been insane to look back on just the journey of of taking this idea and bringing it to life and then you know almost 40 weeks later or something in that ballpark like we have dropped an episode a day a year and it was like one day when we get to that point and now it's like we're at that point where we can look back and just you know take a just reflect on the guests that we've had the year that we've had and it's that time of year where you can just refocus and well let's go back even further than that though think about this when did we first start talking about a podcast years and years ago man it was it was not until last year that we actually did it but it was years ago that we were like dude we should do this thing and it's it's one of those things that's so easy not to do that you you know you just don't do it now we're here we're in the trenches and it's been a beautiful journey uh, to look back and do almost 40 episodes uh, of a podcast. Yeah, man. And so I'd say those are listening, thinking about starting their own podcast, just do it. Just do it. Take that first step. It's kind of like That's feature it. films, like we've heard from people. Do it. Take that first step. Yeah. Get it done. Because it does feel good, man. Looking back on almost 40 episodes, uh, a lot of awesome guests, a lot of good uh, conversations even me and you had early yeah. on. A lot of topics. I'm excited for season two. I know. All the things that we can get into. I know you and I both have a lot of ideas how to elevate this podcast. Yeah. Uh, and we want to hear from the listeners, too. So if you have ideas or suggestions it, or topics, man. hit us, man. Hit us in DMs. Yep. Comment on on this YouTube page or on the, the podcast where you're receiving this. Yep. We would love to hear from you and keep providing educational, uh, informational, and just fun content for fil- for filmmakers. Yeah, man. So as we get to, you know, the end of the year, we want to take this episode to do a little bit, you know, do something a little bit different than we have done before. Where one, uh, want to reflect just on our personal years that we've had just as creatives, as individuals, and then also look back and reflect on some of the, the guests that we've had on the show, because I don't know about you, but one of my favorite things just in hindsight is how many dope conversations that we've got to have with people that we never should have been in the same room with or on the same, you know, phone call with, but because of this podcast, it's united us and we've, I've gotten to learn and grow more than, you know, I feel like anyone just from doing this. And so, uh, wanted to take some time on this episode to dive into your year, into my year. And then, you know, just some of the guests that we've had on here, man. Dude, I, 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 I don't know how this applies, but it's like the teacher learns more than the student. Not yeah. that we're teachers in this by any means, but like we've been able to like just we've learned so much on this yeah. because even though we're providing this podcast, it's an outlet for others to to learn and, and hopefully enjoy the process of filmmaking and relate to other filmmakers. But I can't agree more. Like I've learned so much and I've related and connected yeah, with people that, you know, we we hadn't uh, had met before or, or, you know, what weren't in the same circles. And so I actually was on another uh, podcast called the vision maker podcast. And they asked me why we had started our podcast. And I had said, you know, there's a lot of different things, a lot of different strategies. And we kind of went over that in that podcast. But one of the things was opening those doors, man, and just getting connected with people. And I think in the freelance, uh, world or in the production company world or, even in corporate life, man, there's, even though we feel more connected than ever, there's a lot of isolation. 
And I think podcast shows like this not only hopefully help our viewers and and uh, get involved and, and feel inspired, but us as well. We're not alone, guys. Like the stuff that we're all going through, uh, whether it's the market demands, the market changes, you know, the strikes, it affects uh, us all in different ways. And but there's similarities right. in there, and there's lessons to be taken from. So, man, thanks for helping us make yes. this happen. This podcast, it's been awesome. But Let's jump in, dude. We we gotta jump, Let's jump in. in. So it's really easy as creatives, as entrepreneurs, as individuals to just keep going and going and going and burning out all engines. But it's important to take a time to look back, reflect on how far you've come. So Shane, I'm gonna kick it off, bro. What is one thing that you are most proud of accomplishing this year? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh well, I I let me take that back. Parker, when you listen to this podcast later in life, you are the most, uh, the, the biggest accomplishment thing mm. that I'm proud of. So my wife and I welcomed our second child into the world this year. Last year it was Kaya and this year it was Parker. Um, so my girls are my world and it was, you know, such a huge, I want to say that's not, my wife did most of the work, so yeah. I don't know if that's my accomplishment, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, we're raising a human being, um, but on a personal side, man, that has been the most fulfilling uh, uh, and gratifying thing that I'm thankful for from 2023. That's awesome, man. I think that out, you know, outside of filmmaking, I mean, one, I can't top yours. Like you had a kid and you're a dad of two now. Like mine doesn't even matter. But <laughs> no, it's uh, all different. It's yeah, all different stories, though. Totally. And I'm curious to to hear. You know, maybe like what's what's on the personal side, but then yeah. also like on a career side for yeah. you too. Yeah. So like. I think two and a half years ago, I set out on a crazy big side quest that almost became the main quest that it was, there was two full-time quests going on, but I bought a, you know, a condemned house or almost condemned house, uh, with a guest house in the backyard. And I spent two and a half years rebuilding, uh, both of those houses. And as of like a month ago, I just finished a two and a half year long project and that was like a major, major milestone for me because it was like a, it, I was way more expensive than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I didn't have the resources to do it. I didn't have any experience at all, but like saw it through to the end and, and have completed it. And I think it's so easy to get shiny object syndrome when it's like you're in the middle of doing something that you set out to do. And then it'd be like, oh, there's these other things that mm -hmm. like I really wanted to you know, chase after, but I had to go tunnel vision on the thing that I set out to do initially. And so I think I'm super proud of just like finishing that project because it was the biggest project mm. I've ever taken on. Um, I think inside of my film career, man, one of the episodes with Eric Thane, it really jumped out to me, but you know, it's all about, it was all about finding clarity as an artist, which is something that it's so easy to keep creating and creating and creating and doing the next thing mm. and not have a hundred percent clarity on you know what brings you fulfillment and happiness and like the direction that you're going even if you're walking forward are you going in the right direction and so i think one of the things that i've been able to do this year and i don't know that you ever fully arrive at that clarity because you're always recalibrating mm -hmm. but i've gotten much more clear and concise on the direction that i think i'm going in my career and i think that beyond any project that you know any talent any you know, accomplishment of, of, of a specific video, I think just having clarity and that inner, you know, peace and where you're walking is something that I'm most proud of accomplishing this year. That's awesome, man. That's great. I, I think on the career side for me, I got to direct some really cool projects and, and I got to get out of the, uh, a lot of times I have to wear the business hat all the time. And so that's been a lot of fun. I mean, you and I've created some awesome commercials and documentary content together this year and getting to like be creative again and actually like fully realizing like, okay, I'm going to fully commit to directing on this project yeah. instead of like producing, running a bunch of other projects instead of like just siloing the time to be able to uh, direct was probably on the career side, one of the best things looking back. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Looking back, what do you think one of the biggest challenges were that you overcame? Well, I mentioned having kids, so two under two is super <laughs> hard. <laughs> Boom, uh, drop the mic, we're done there. No, no, but uh, 
No, I mean, it, it, again, it's the best thing ever. It's awesome. It's, it's a lot to juggle, but honestly, to, to be, to be honest about this, the hardest thing is I think it's a good thing. Um, but it's hard because you, I look back and go, man, there's a lot of systems and processes that I've built that, that we built that our team has built as a company and we have outgrown them. And so going back and going, this is broken. This is broken. This needs, we need to modify this. We need to tweak this. And so you just have to remember that you're always going Refining. to refine the process. And that can seem very, uh, tiring, like you're treading water. Right. Yeah. And so just being really intentional, um, with reviewing processes that are broken and going, all right, like, don't take it personally myself. Right. Like I go, this was a process. It was working. It should work. Why is it not working? But instead going like, okay, how do I fix this? Yeah. And, and it's okay. It worked for a period of time. Now we need to make something better. Yeah. So, uh, that was the biggest challenge. It's big. And I will say that it still is the challenge going right. into 2024. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that's definitely bleeding over. That's so what sick, about you, man? man? What's the, what's one of the biggest challenges you've experienced? I think, I think that for me, it was probably alchemy. So for those that are listening and don't know what alchemy is, uh, I had this crazy dream really when I was a kid to start my own festival one day. And, uh, the older I've gotten, I've like, I've thought about it more and more. And then I was like, how, how could this actually even be possible? And it didn't really seem that possible, especially at this point in my life. Um, and I had a couple of conversations with people about like starting super, 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 super small and just organizing an event for creatives in the Dallas area to kind of give back and to unify us together. Um, because there's so many creatives here, but they're not unified and, and, uh, wound up out of like happenstance. Uh, one of the people on our team had a conversation with a venue that was like, Hey, we, we see your idea and we want to partner with you on this, um, for free. And so we were blessed to have been given a venue partnership with Hickory Street Annex, which is one of the sickest venues in Dallas. And it's probably like a $8,000 a day venue or, or, you know, whatever it is. And they gifted it to us for free. Uh, but they said, you have a timeline of three months to, to do this because we only have one date that we're going to give you. And so I had three months to, you know, assemble a, a, a micro team. Um, but we wound up bringing a free event to almost 300 creatives in the Dallas community. Uh, and I got to have a skate park that was built for this, where we had a skate contest out front, shout out to four down and Alliance skate park, some of my hometown, you know, uh, sponsors and support. And, uh, we had skateboarding there. We had, uh, you know, uh, painters, we had five different musicians. There was food vendors there. There was, uh, just like clothing vendors, everything lined up outside. And it was like a dream come true for me, but it was also like one of the most challenging things that I've ever, uh, had to like lead in assembling in a three month time period with no budget. And, and we pulled it off and it was awesome, man. And we did debate calling it Joey Fest, just <laughs> for the record. Which is still on the table. It, it hadn't possibly. Comment if you think uh, 2024 should be called Joey Fest or Alchemy. Uh, yeah. But, dude, i super proud of what you did. And we, uh, man, I remember that was another one, like this podcast. You yep. came to me and we kind of talked about the idea and, you know, okay, how does this play into the value for, you know, the community and for the company and all of that? And then, so it's funny because this was supposed, it was started as like, oh, it's going to be a photographer meetup. You guys go check out the link of what Joey and the team put together for Alchemy. Way bigger than just a photography yeah. meetup. There's, we'll, we'll share the link to the video. Yeah. There's the Instagram page. And tons of artists came together and make it happen. I mean, yeah. everybody gave it, it their awesome. time. And that was really cool just to see the movement that you've created in the Dallas area that I hope we get to see more of yep. in 2024. Yep. Hint, hint. We'll hint, see. Hint, cough, TBD. cough, wink, wink. Yeah, yeah. I love it, man. Well, uh, going past challenges, mm. what do you think the craziest thing you saw this year was? Craziest thing. You know, when we did our wedding episode, we had so many like wild and crazy stories. Mm -hmm. of, like, I'm not on set as much anymore, and so you don't get to see like that. Yeah. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you one story 
that th- this is this is insane. So we did um in January we got uh, contacted by one of our clients about a project. Actually, this pre this is probably November December of last year, and they told us about this project that they would like us to be a part of. Um, no, it was only 30 days out and they, you know, I was like, there's no way legal department's going to let us film this. And anyways, we got the opportunity to film the, uh, separation of conjoined twins, something that like it, and you know, there's a lot of conjoined twins, but like this case only like one or two, like a year ever happened. So very rare, um, operation here happening in Dallas, Texas, Fort Worth, Texas, actually. And we, uh, we, we got to assemble a team. We had to rush the edit. We flipped it in like 48 hours. We helped them put on a live stream press conference. Um, and beyond all the numbers and stats, man, being in the, um, waiting room with a family and just watching, I'm getting, I'm getting choked up, um, watching them come out and be like, we got two kids. It's cool, man. It was cool. man. And just live in that moment with that family and you go beyond the job. This moment is so impactful. Yeah. Wow. Got to take a drink of water. Dang, there. man. Yeah. All right, Joey. Choked beat up. that, He's bro. cutting onions <laughs> in the studio right now. Yeah, Dang, but you man. can, if you want to see a little bit of that, you can go look that up on yeah. our site. But it's, uh, man, just getting to live those moments with, with, with people goes beyond the job. Yeah. I think that's one of my favorite things about just doing this is all the different little life experiences that we get to be a fly on the wall for and like help capture the memory of and document, you know, um, like that's the heart of documentary filmmaking mm. is like being there for those once in a lifetime moments and conversations and things that, you know, it's like your artistry and everything that you've learned is going to come together to really make something magical for people to look back and remember on or remember, or, you know, mm-hmm. just uh, learn about for, for years to come. And it's like the magic of what we do as documentary in, in documentary filmmaking. Uh, yeah. My, my story, I don't think is, you know, I, I'm still, give me a laugh. I need a laugh. Well, after that one. <laughs> I'm still sad that I didn't get to be a part of this because what Shane's not saying is that project got nominated for an Emmy and I was supposed to be on it, but I broke my wrist freaking snowboarding two days before and I couldn't even hold the dang camera. And now I'm not an uh, Emmy nominated filmmaker, but I, Shane is. <laughs> I, I didn't tell you this, but when you were going on that trip, I don't know. This is yeah. like older brother's syndrome or yeah. dad's whatever. I'm just like, Joey, why are you going snowboarding? Like, um, I'm anxious. No, he's he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Yep. <laughs> sure enough, bro, you break your wrist. The last run like, of the last day. My bro is out. And uh yeah. yeah. Not only that project, we had, you know, of course it, we got super oh, yeah. busy right when right when you get back. Totally. And, yeah. Yeah, it was rough. But yeah. I think uh man, I just did an event with uh Gary Vaynerchuk, um, which was sick. Uh it's called Success Unleashed with mm. one of our VIP clients, Mr. Brian McCauley. He's a G. And, um, they had smoke cannons that were at the event and I guess the team that had assembled them didn't think that they would go as far as they would. And they actually went right into the ceiling of this massive, like probably multi hundred thousand dollar chandelier. And the smoke actually caused one of like the crystals to like break and so glass fell from the ceiling of this stage onto like the MC's face oh my gosh. Uh, as he was welcoming Gary V up and he had like blood all over his face from mm. glass, like literally falling from a chandelier from smoke cannons. And he's like bleeding, trying to welcome Gary up to the stage. And it was like, it was gnarly, man. That's crazy. Could have lost an eye. Dangers of the job. Yeah, yeah that is. Oof. Yeah, so not not twins being separated, but uh, got to witness a little bit of blood. <laughs> Maybe Golly. not as much as you. <laughs> oh, that's rough. So, well, I'm glad they're all all right, but uh, that is pretty gnarly. I know. So, uh, man, looking, it's great to look back at the previous year, but looking ahead to next year, what is something that you hope to accomplish in 2024? Fixing those systems and processes, expanding the company, uh, providing a better service and experience for our clients, Um, just continuing to level up what we do, but also find time to 
create, like I said at the very yeah. beginning, like getting to direct, right? Getting to do those um, things, whether they're passion projects or just really, you know, great clients that trust us with the entire vision of the project. Um, man, that's some of the stuff that I really want to focus on in, in 2024. Buying back time, mm. too, is huge, I think. Uh, Got those two kids now, man. Man, yeah. And they, they need time. And, I, right. and Dad wants to give them time. So I think finding ways to make sure that things, you know, operate and run efficiently and the experience goes great. And then making sure that I uh, appropriate enough time and energy into every area of my life. That's good, man. I think uh, I was actually wrestling with this question before I got here and just thinking about goals for next year. And while I... I think that I got clarity on my goals for, for this next year. And like, yeah, I have some, like I'd love to shoot a feature film, um, which is cool and, and whatnot. And I actually have some opportunities lined up to do that. And that may, you know, come to pass. Uh, I've also had a handful of them fall out and you know, that happens. But um, I think this year is, and I'm, I don't know if I'm not happy about it or if I'm just, I'm, I think I'm at peace with it. But this year isn't a massive goal milestone year for me. I think I just came out of so much of that that this is kind of a, a maintaining year for me uh, and, a, and you know, building out what I have worked to grow. Uh, I want to sustain it this year, and it's mm. kind of like a maintaining year. And so while I, you know, mm. want to do some of these big projects and whatnot, I think that this year is uh, really about maintaining and sustaining the the, you know, what I, what I sewed into the previous years. Mm. Um, and I think you and I are doing some cool things with the company right now. And there's some cool stuff happening in our careers that it's like, yeah, this is great. This documentary is huge, this feature film, whatever. But I think that, you know, in, in my personal and professional life, this is kind of a year to really maintain what was, you know, sewed into the previous years and then really get prepared for more of an ambitious goal year the next year. Mm. Um, I think there's less like ambition riding on, I have to get to the top of the mountain this year. I think, you know, mm. uh, whatever the quote is about, like if you have six hours to cut down a tree, you spend the first four sharpening your ax. This year feels like a sharpening the ax year for me, not not a cut down the tree year. Nice. So. That's good, man. That's good perspective. It's, it's hard too, especially having that yes. hustle mentality yes. of freelancers or filmmakers. We always want to, what's the next big thing? What's the next big thing? Yeah. And it's good to, to be able to live in the moments and being able yeah. to enjoy, like you said, what you've already kind of sowed, yeah. you know, a reaping season. And, so I, and, I, and I feel like it's a preparation season, you know, like I feel like there will be a very big opportunity come, you know, this year that I don't even know is coming that it's like, oh, because I spent the first four or five months of the year getting prepared for this opportunity, I'm ready for it. And so something may happen that, you know, isn't on my radar even right now. Like how many things do you look back on in the year and you're like, oh, I didn't even know I was going to get to go to this country or mm. I didn't know I was going to get to work on this project. I didn't know I was going to do my first virtual production or my first, you know, work with this celebrity or whatever, like the stuff just happens. But when you get prepared for it in advance, um, you know, whether that be from a talent standpoint, freeing up your time to be available for a certain project, financially being ready for an investment, like whatever it is, you know, they're going to come your way and you're going to be prepared. And so right now I'm, I'm in preparation mode for for the next thing. Life in the prep mode. Life in the prep mode, man. I yeah. love it. Well, uh, man, I want to transition to um, really this podcast and just looking back on some of the guests that we've had on the podcast. Uh, we have had some really, really spectacular conversations with some amazing human beings that are super talented, doing incredible things in the world. And I think that some of those conversations have really been impactful for me. I know they have been, uh, or for, for both of us really. Um, and so just looking back at some of the episodes that we have done, do you feel like there is a guest that maybe you identified with that you weren't expecting to, or, or, you know, just identifying with them kind of impacted you and, um, just your creative business. So like, I guess who I identified the most with yeah. connected with. Yeah, man. So many, I feel like that's the great thing about the podcast is that, 
you know, I can see little bits of me or you or us in every guest that we interview. And I think that's the great thing. That's the point of this podcast is that the similarities that we can take away from their stories or our stories that can uh, improve us, each other, or the listeners. Um, I think I relate most. It's, you know, we joke about it when, when a DP comes on, I'm like, cool. You're like, you're asking all the questions. I'm just gonna, (laughs) I'm gonna, if they talk about business at all, I'm gonna be like, you know, jump in. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I want to say like people like Micah, uh, people like, um, Wes, even Tammy, uh, you know, people that have, uh, have production companies of some type that have kind of, um, maybe struggled at times with that identity of like doing the creative, but then having to do the business, you know, like I really relate to that. Um, and, uh, and I really connect on that because we all have that shared struggle. Uh, and and we've had several guests where I, you know, afterwards you and I talk, we're like, dude, we're all going through that exact same thing as a company or as an artist, you know? And so I think a lot of times I hear that from the business perspective, even, you know, how people pitch and sell clients, you know, I take away some of that stuff and go, dude, like I have that same struggle or like, wow, that guy, he, I've been trying to say that same thing, but that dude said it way better. Yeah. I'm going to borrow a little bit of that and put it in my sauce yep. and make my recipe. And so, you know, it, it's been great, but I feel like those, you know, those, uh, people that kind of, you know, have those uh, production companies and kind of have to balance, always trying to balance, I mm-hmm. think. And that, that's what I can really, uh, relate to. In fact, I took, uh, Micah and I went out and had, had a lunch and talked about, you know, just business and shop. Yeah. He, he has a production company here in, uh, Dallas. And we we're just talking about, you know, That's the awesome. challenges and like the, the successes and like, Hey, what do you do on this? You know? And so it's great to be able to chop it up like that on the business side. Um, and, and just have those shared experiences yeah. for sure. What I about th- you, man? I, I think it's been interesting seeing how, similar a lot of us are at the end of the day and like Mm. you think that some of these people that are out here doing these you know insane projects are so much different than you and they're not a lot of us are wired the same way like you said we have the same struggles in business with clients with you know identity your create your your craft you know all of it and so i think it's been really cool to like you said identify a little bit with each of the guests that we have on the show um and pull things away but man i really enjoyed I think Max first's episode. The the reason I built this car was to get around a track and actually film true to life fast content instead of relying on CGI. Mm. So I mean, we've we've taken the car 155 with a smaller like black arm rig off God the back. Me. And we've we've done over 110 with the arm on the car, which is nuts because like the That's... second you move it, the whole car moves over. So as a driver, wow. you have a you have a lot going on that you gotta maintain he you know went to unt we grew up skateboarding a lot of the guests that we've had on the show have like had you know an action sports background to some degree which i resonate with and you know just seeing like the transitions from him to a dp and then from dp to focusing on the agency and then doing the you know the camera car and really niching down on like what he loves to do and then like taking a huge risk and then Mm. you know seeing that investment through and making it profitable and something that like he takes what he loves every single day and is like, I'm going to go do that and I'm going to make it cool. And I'm like, man, that's so tight. And so like at the same time, like being inspired a little bit by each of the guests that we've had on here, um, has been cool. And then of course, like, you know, all of the DPs, it's super interesting to hear, you know, just, you know, talk shop with them and go like, oh man, it's super cool how you approach this project, Mm. how you prep for this project, how you, you know, bring your creative vision to this project. And it's like, you know, it's been cool to just know that like we're all on our way, I mm-hmm, guess at the end mm-hmm. of the day. So. Yeah. That's goes back to that recipe thing. I feel like everybody makes, bakes the cake a little different and we all have our unique flavor to it. I've, I've been loving watching just you and other DPs chop it up yeah. and talk about prep and process and like, well, and even that is challenging. Yeah. It challenges your process and right. how you, and how you, uh, you know, tackle something that you're setting out to do. And so I've even seen my process change with us when we go on set because of the conversations that have been Absolutely. had on the show. Absolutely. Speaking of challenges, um, one, what episode, what filmmaker or person we've had on the show challenge you the most in your approach to filmmaking? I would say probably 
probably Kevin Garrison. Honestly, he was a recent episode that we had, but he was, he was a DP that is doing this really insane project right now called Nomad. Biggest project that we've been doing is called Nomad. The film itself is shot in 31 countries and all seven continents, which is the most countries and most continents of any narrative film ever in history. Without spoiling the story for everybody, sure. it sure, is sure. essentially a story of a young man that wakes up in a different place on Earth every day mm. and uh, has a lot of those documentary-like aspects in terms of how the film was made. We shot the entire film without any cinema lights. There's no CGI and there's no set. It's all real places. So it's a pretty wild experience. And that's been the last four years of my life or so. And the whole premise of it is to do, to shoot the whole thing with no lights, uh, with very minimal crew, uh, in all real locations, with no special effects. And I'm like, man, when you think about a feature film, he's stripped away everything that we as DPs think that we need a lot mm. of times to create something beautiful and especially like lighting, man. Like, you know, I would never think to go and do a feature film without extra lights, but just that challenge in, you know, using the light that is available to you and the tools that anybody has, like he was talking about using a white t-shirt and standing closer to talent, to bounce natural light off, to, you know, spill another their mm. face. And it's like the minutia of like detail to create beauty with the tools that we have. Mm. Um, and even just like seeing like how he went out for days and days and days to track the shadow of the eclipse that was on the ground so that when the eclipse was there, he could be in the perfect position to save time, to get the right angle. I'm like, man, that is like dedication that I see that I'm like, my challenge or, or my, uh, my process could be improved and my craft, I can hone it better by, uh, you know, putting the time into just thinking differently and prepping differently. And I think that Kevin's episode was super inspiring for me to, at the end of the day, step it up, you know, and, and, and really think about approaching my craft differently. And I think that at the end of the day, like you're able to take all these conversations from different DPs like Michael Bradley and Andrew Barrera and, uh, you know, Abe Martinez and like mm. see how they've done some of the bigger projects that they've done and adopt a little piece of that into what I do and then do my craft better. I just thought about how fast we would move on a set if you had zero <laughs> lights. I'm like, dude, oh, we could man. get off like 20 shots a day. I know. An hour. We could get 20 shots an hour, bro. We'd be going so fast. Challenge accepted. But see, Next at project. The, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know what it did? It, that While that concept is great for that specific project, right. it almost makes you just rework the concepts that you're coming up with altogether. Mm. And so it, like, it stretches your mind a little bit on what's possible and the concepts to even tackle. Like maybe you go the opposite direction, right? Maybe mm -hmm. you just do a project um, where it's like every shot you only have one light and it's like, okay, well now this is a new way that I'm going to stretch my mind. Like I only have a key light or mm -hmm. a backlight or, you know, a mm -hmm. background light or whatever it is. Like it's the challenge. It's in the itself. box. Yeah, yeah. It's like, sure. it's like paint. It's like building a box for you to work in as an artist is kind of the fun, you know, like I think back of why I even like being a DP and it's because I love problem solving at the end of the day. Like I love, mm. you know, someone coming up to me and saying, we got 45 minutes. You should have had two days and you know, you have one AC, but you should have had an army and it's like, okay, well like this is the challenge. I'm in the box. What can I do in this box to exceed expectations and to make beautiful art? And that's that's why I love being a DP. It's mm. the challenge and problem solving. Well, and I think that makes you grow too, right? Yeah. And I think for him, you know, and for you, it's like if you challenge yourself like that, you're going to find out new, unlock new gifts, unlock new talents that you didn't know you yeah. had. And then you're going to be able to take that and put that onto the next thing. Um, man, for me, uh, when we had Adam Drake on the show, I worked with him on a... Washington's armor, uh, way back when I was doing some camera and gimbal work and, uh, early on in the Washington's armor series. And I was just blown away by this dude as the first AD on set. I mean, in prep, you are constantly working and there's like always something to work on and try to, you're always behind it. Every production I've ever been on, it's like, oh, I wish we could push a week. I wish we could push one week. Like we're not gonna be ready in time. This feels like that every time. 
So there's not a whole lot of free time. But what I like to do is when we're at the end of the day is go out to dinner with the DP, spend time with him outside of that, or even while we're there, just asking questions about them personally. You know, again, the same thing I would handle other crew on set. But the more I know them personally, the more I'm, uh, you know, I like people too. And I like to try to read people. And so the more I learn about them, the better I can read them. And then I kind of know, like in the situation of like on set, if I'm nagging too much, I can tell when he's frustrated with me, when he or she is frustrated because I know them a little bit better now. Instead of them saying, hey, I'm frustrated with you, I can just see it and sense it and I stop, you know, or because I've built a relationship with them. The next thing I do, the other thing is that I think a lot of ADs kind of miss the ball on is paying attention to how they work. Like, so once we start filming, like Akis is the perfect example, who's the DP of The Chosen. I've been seeing him work for four, four or five years now. And I, I talked to Mitch, who's my second second, who I'm also teaching a lot of times to first, oh, like, so I can step away and he can run it and what to look for. And I've been doing it with the keys for so long that I don't ever ask him for estimates. I never, I almost never ask him how long you're going to be, what, when are you going to be ready? I can just watch and I can tell when he gets to that tweaking mode and I know he's within five minutes. Because he created this atmosphere of like community, everybody, you know, I felt like, like he would come over and talk to me and ask me about uh, not only just work, but like, you know, my life, my family, like what's my ambitions and goals and all this stuff. And uh, then we finally got him on the podcast because I think he's a great human being. He works on the, he, you know, he's been the first AD yeah. on the chosen in a bunch of films. And, um, and now as I direct more stuff, I'm like, man, he is a great example of a great AD. Right. And so what I've taken from that, when we, you know, had him on the show, he kind of reminded me about how important relationships are yeah. and about how you have to make time for them as well and be truly genuinely like interested. Right. There is, you know, we're, we're all in this together. And like, you know, I, I, I do truly care about our crew members and our client when we get in that fast paced speed process, sometimes execution. And I go, man, at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We all have families or lives or, or we have history, we have futures. Um, and so just for me, a goal and a challenge that I'm setting is to be invested more in each individual in the process instead of the overall process all the time. I think there's a balance because yeah. you got to get things done. And that's what Adam is so good about being an AD that can not only balance getting it done, but done with a community and a relationship feel um, that is truly organic and, and authentic. Um, and so I'm going to remember to do that on the, yeah. on the sets moving forward. And just in general, man, it's a good practice. Uh, you know, it's how we started the company. And, and sometimes when the wheels start going fast, you know, you feel like you're barely holding on to the train. And so you got to slow down and, and make sure that everybody on that train is headed in the same direction. Yeah. Adam's episode is definitely one that you want to go back to and just listen to like, every few months to just like get that refresher where it's like, man, like it's so easy to get lost. And, and I think his episode is a really great way to just recalibrate what's important when you go on to set. Mm. So mm. yeah. What do you think the most, uh, impactful guests that we had on this podcast was for you? Every single one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dude, I, I see like, I mean, you nailed it earlier when you're like, I've taken away a little piece from everybody and, and you and I have applied it in my sets, in my business, and yeah. everything. It's it's awesome, man. Like going back to the beginning, like we we have benefited more than anybody. Mm -hmm. and, you know, we started out like we want to do this for the community, and really, it's like been amazing for us. So yeah. everyone, start your own podcast. Right? It's fantastic. You will learn so much. We've learned so much. Been blessed, uh, man. I go back. I, I've had to pick one. I remember um, we went to uh, Barton. We did Barton's yeah. episode at his studio. A lot of what we're doing is telling stories behind a product. And so we've received certain products and we'll get them and we're like, man, this thing's so corny. <laughs> <laughs> like this thing is awful. Well, let's come up with something cool for this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but by the end of it, we're all kind of looking around and we're like, well, this is actually kind of a cool thing, isn't it? Like, and, and so we were starting to see like the power of the storytelling that we're doing through the visuals. And it was like, oh, you start to realize like, that's why they hire us. Because when I was just a solo artist, it was like, oh, cool. People like my artwork. They're hiring me for my artwork. And that's all you, you don't think of it as a business model. It's just kind of like, oh, people are willing to pay me to create this cool digital artwork or this little 3D animated spot. 
and and then over time it shifts into like okay why do people pay me to do this again mm. and then you start to figure out like that's why and it's like because i took this product that we all thought was kind of lame and by the time we developed this full campaign for it we're able to give a perspective to a consumer that they wouldn't necessarily see if it's just sitting on a shelf in a store or whatever. Yeah. And that that was cool for multiple reasons, impactful for me because I looked at Barton and this guy, he's probably 10 years ahead of me in like having a company and a studio. Like he's on his fourth studio. They built it out. It's absolutely beautiful. Go check out the episode. Like it's, it was like, it looks like a, like a place you want to hang out at. It doesn't look like work, right? It was like, dude, can I just come back here and sit on the couch and drink coffee and hang out with you guys? This seems like an f- awesome place, right? So not only was I like awestruck with like the commun- the culture and just the community that he's created uh, for his business, um, but he had said a few things that really resonated. Um, and one of them was, you know, he talked about, you know, a lot of people think if you do it, uh, if you do a project, you either do it for your rate or you don't do it at all. And he said, he doesn't believe in that. And he says, you know, if somebody gives him an inch, he's going to take a mile. And so, you know, even if you're doing it for a rate that you didn't want to, he's going to overperform, overcreate because that secures the next project for you. And I know you and I've done that several times for our clients. Like we, you know, we always want to go above and beyond and create it because it's always about the next, you know, client while we're keeping our clients happy in that in that budget range, right? Um, but you're catching the next level, the next ride of budget. And so that was really cool to see somebody who's really established yeah. to say that, hey, it's okay. It's okay to do the spec work. It's okay right. to do stuff not at your full rate. Just don't do it half-hearted. Right. Do it full. Do it over. Give more than you're getting, yeah. right? And it's going to pay out uh, big dividends. And it, it has. We've seen it. And so that was just reassurance because – you know, we invest a lot of our time and our team's time and stuff that we go, oh, is this going to ever pay back? Even spec shoots. They're so, f- we have the most fun on those. But yeah. if you go, is this a good investment of our of our time and energy? And then I got to do one more. The other thing too was the, um, he had mentioned about, you know, he was like trying to figure out, he's like, you know, we, he reach, reached a point. They're creating really dope, you know, VFX stuff, their stuff's amazing, man. Like you watch their stuff on IG and you know, they're, they're working with the top clients. They're creating amazing stuff. But he goes, why, why are people hiring us? And he, and he got to the root of it is because they tell stories, um, more than it's not about the visuals and the high end, you know, it's about the creating a story that gets people engaged with that product. So take a boring, you know, a pen and he's created a, a story that then gets you so involved into that pen that people want to buy that pen, right? Yeah. And so really attaching the storytelling to um, their artwork, and that's why people hire them. And so I think you and I just talked about this before this episode, um, and we I was talking about, you know, I had to really think about, like, cinema story. Is it about the cinematography? Is it the storytelling? And I started kind of going back and listening to clients and, and reviewing what clients have said, and it always came down to the experience. And so that was a big eye-opener for me and going, we have to keep providing an experience above everything else because that is what people are buying from us. It's not the cinematography. It's not the storytelling. It's not even the strategy. I mean, they are buying all of that. That's good. But the experience is why they keep coming back or they tell their friends about us. And so that's huge. I think people should do a self-audit and go like, why, why are people hiring me? right? As a freelancer or as a production company, like what is really, not what you think it is, what are your clients saying it is? And then you got to listen to that and then go, how can I make sure that that always stays top and front so I can continue to have that client experience? Man, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Barton is one of those dudes that what was so cool about his episode before we leave it is like he was a dude who grew up in the exact like same neighborhoods that I did. Like mm-hmm. he was skating in the same places. He was, um, you know, always around. And though we didn't, we weren't like super close at the time. Like he's a dude that we grew up in the same backyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, like really, really ran in the same circles, ran with the same people. And to see what he's built, um, 
like is like one of the people that grew up around you and like made it out and to see what they made of themselves is like super tight, man. Like, mm. you know, he, in my mind, like I think about post Malone, right. And I'm like, he's the dude that grew up in the same school district that I did. He was like one year away from me, but like, that's the hometown hero. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because he made like, he climbed to the top and it's always so cool when like someone from your hometown, like really can break out and make something of, of themselves that you walk into his studio and you're inspired. Mm. And it's like, it's even different seeing like that dude who used to be at the same skate contests as, as me and like riding the same parks, like go and build something. And it just proves that you can do whatever you set your mind out to. And so I think like every time that I see some, like the projects and like the space and like walk in, it was like, that was an inspiring episode for me aside from the content, like that's a hometown hero from where I grew up paving new ground. And so his episode was definitely, uh, one of my favorites for sure. Um, let's go Barton ABC, shout out ABC awesome. already been, been chewed. chewed. That's right. Um, man, another dude who I think really made a big impact on me, uh, was Eric Thane's episode, man. So one thing that I think creators really need that they don't ever get enough of is what I call creative space. And what creative space is, is, well, it can can take a lot of different forms, but I think for a lot of people and in a lot of cases, it means you're spending a lot of time doing nothing. (laughs) And this is something that most creators don't get enough of, Mm. right? We're, we're always like, it's always onto the next shoot. It's onto the next thing, building the next business, launching the next product, like doing the next offer, shooting the next podcast. Like it's just from thing to thing to thing to thing. And honestly, people in today's world are addicted to just being productive, addicted mm-hmm. to getting stuff done, addicted to being entertained, to not having quiet, uninterrupted time to just like, literally people ask me like, what do you do during that time? I'm like, nothing. Mm-hmm. Just sit there, just sit think, breathe, meditate, like whatever it is. It's it's really a lost art in our world today because because think about it, we're so addicted to dopamine and like we have we have tablets and phones and watches and we have uh you know, we've got YouTube and social media and all this stuff and we've just learned to just constantly be inundated with dopamine, inundated with uh entertainment and value and and all those kind of things. It's the reason why we wake up in the morning, we grab our phones, we look at it, we get up, we go shower, we go to work, we finish work, we go watch Netflix and then we go back to bed again. Like we don't want any time, any gaps between those things because because if we if we if we feel those gaps, um what happens is in those gaps is that we feel what we call bored, right? But what is what is boredom? What is boredom really? Boredom is a, is a physiological manifestation of some inner trauma, inner pain. And without going too deep into that rabbit hole and like where that comes from, you think about it like it's uncomfortable to sit still and not do anything. Your brain probably goes a million different directions. Like, I should be doing this. I need to do this. And like, I could watch this. And I want to look at my phone. I want to pull it up. And I want to check my notifications. Or I want to, like, all that kind of stuff. It's it's our brain's trying to distract us. It's trying to find that drug to cover up the pain. It's just like if you took drugs for uh, a depression or whatever. Like, you become addicted to that drug because it makes you feel happy. But is it real happiness? Is it real joy? No, it's just a, it's just a Band-Aid over top of it. And so, and so I think that, like, one of the skills that creatives really need to develop if they want to really truly become a creator really truly go to the deepest levels of their creativity is the skill of being bored (laughs) it's learning how to be bored and learning to become okay with being bored he um you know i talked about it a little bit earlier on in the episode but i was actually going through Uh, one of the things that he was talking about, like as we did his episode, but it's like finding clarity as an artist, um, and where you're going and like the things that bring you happiness and fulfillment. And I think that, you know, he talked about giving yourself creative space Mm. to, to sit back and focus on the skill of being bored Mm. and to be okay with that. And like the meditation of it, because some of the best creative outlets that you're ever going to produce come from the moments when you just give yourself time to meditate, be bored and really get clarity on where you're going as an artist. And so I think Eric's episode was one of the most impactful episodes, uh, for me personally, um, in, in, in the journey.
Man, I talking about getting emotional during uh, episodes. I had to like look over at you a couple of times because I I knew I felt like you know you were kind of going through some of that. Yeah, and man, it spoke to me too, dude. I think uh, that wisdom of just slowing down and stopping because we do get to that space of there's no there's no pause, you know. But you have to remember to pause and and uh create that space so yeah i mean i can't agree more that that episode dude if y'all haven't listened to that go good. watch the eric thane episode it's great yeah yep. i think um when i think back to to some of the bigger takeaways this year i think another big person that comes to mind is jay holden to be a good director you have to be a good storyteller and that's what it comes down to you have to engage an audience on an emotional and visceral level with the story that you want to tell. And that comes down to the director and the director's vision. A director has to be a singular voice. And the job is to bring together all of these other extraordinary artists who do their jobs beyond a level that you can as, as a director. And you bring them in and you herd them into a singular vision. So they're all bringing their best to tell that one story. And that's what the director does, whether it's the actors, the production designer, the cinematographer, the editor, the composer, the visual effects artist, who no matter who it is, you're honing them all in to a single vision to tell a story. Gosh. And Mm. Uh, Jay Holman, um, one super cool milestone to just have someone who is an associate ASC member, you know, even bless us with their time, uh, on this podcast, because to get to that level, it means that you have done some really, really amazing things in the world of cinematography. Uh, and he has been a pioneer, um, you know, for people like us, uh, to do what we're doing today and to, to be as inventive as he has and everything. And, um, you know, one of the things that was really cool from his episode was to see how much his career had shifted throughout the course of, you know, his entire filmmaking journey. And then to just, you know, to take away that it's okay for your creative identity to change and evolve. Cause I think so easy, it's so easy to get caught up in going like I'm a director or I'm a producer or I'm a DP or I'm a, you know, whatever it is. And then when you start having these these shifts in life, whether they're, you know, having kids, whether mm. they are, you know, you're just your passion changing, just tragedy happening, whatever it is, it's like these little micro shifts happen or you just lose interest, like you just lose passion, whatever it is. But I think like the big takeaway from him was like the the shift in your identity and changing direction is okay. And a lot of times it's super scary, but if you see that through and you just like embrace it uh, for what it is, uh, you can really have a more fulfilling, creative career uh, just, you know, accepting it. Yeah, man, that uh, talking about the guests, I feel like that I, I that was an intimidating interview, it was, man. It like, was. And he was super nice, super great guy. But I remember getting on that when I was just like, oh my gosh, this is... This is huge, and I am so thankful we had the opportunity to break bread with him over a podcast and talk, and, and he did leave some powerful, uh, impactful moments. And I think one of the uh, another big takeaway for me from this season was uh, several people. Man, I feel like one of the biggest questions you hear is, how do you get into feature films? How do you, how do you break in, right? Like, everybody wants to know. And I feel like there's a lot of different answers and, you know, it seems like there's three or four ways to do it. Right. And from distribution to, you know, just making all that stuff. But we've had several people on the podcast talk about their feature film journeys, whether it was, you know, high end studio to like low, low, ultra low budget feature films. Um, and then we had uh, the Dallas Film Commissioner on the podcast. You know, a features hard. Right. I mean, it it takes a lot longer to shoot. It, uh, it takes longer to edit. You know, you've got to do all the post-production work on it. You know, you're locking yourself up for six months or nine months or a year, however long it takes you to complete that project where, you know, you can knock a short film out in a month or a couple months or depending on depending on what you're doing. But the what, what, what you get in return, you know, when I... When I did my uh, my feature that was $6,000, you know, after I finished that film, people were like, oh, you made a feature? They didn't ask, you know, can I see this awful $6,000 feature film that you made? They just knew that I had completed and actually finished it. 
And right. that is just a small miracle in and of itself. And then so people started asking me, like, hey, will you help me produce this film? Will you work on, on this project with me? So it opens all those doors of people knowing that you made a feature and then wanting to partner with you and do it. And there are ways to do it. You know, people are like, well, I can't take three weeks off of work to go shoot a feature film. Well, the way we did this one is we would shoot Saturday and Sunday only. And so Monday through Friday, essentially working regular jobs and also doing pre-production. So you're doing five days of pre-production, then you shoot for two days. Then you do five days of pre-production, then you shoot for two days. So if you're willing to give up, you know, two or three months of your weekends to shoot your feature, you can just shoot it every single weekend. And he talked about, he kind of, you know, summed up a lot of what other people have been saying, but he said, just go complete one. Because he said, and this was a big takeaway for me, if somebody, if a distributor or or a funder is going to look at your uh, IMDb, let's just say, and you have 30 short films but zero features, but this other person has one feature and zero th- short films, they're going to hire that person with a feature every time. Yeah. Because it's about, they say, that guy can finish or that girl can finish, right? They can complete it. And so he was like, just go complete one. Do the open water. Oh, you remember that movie? Do the open waters method. Shoot on the weekends. Get your buddies in your spare time. Go shoot a couple of pages and then shoot it over the course of a year. Just finish the sh- yeah. feature film so that you can say, oh, yeah, I'm capable of making a feature. So that was a huge takeaway. I know it's been on our, just like the podcast, the Alchemy event, a lot of things, the feature film created by us, by our Cinema Story team, has been on our list of things to do. And so that's going to be a big goal for us in 2024, 2025, as we reach our three-year vision plan for it, as we reach the end of it. And we got a lot of work to do, but it's kind of like one of those things like you can't hesitate anymore. You just have to do it. You know, it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be dirty. It's going to be messy. Yeah. But you just need to get it done. So, yeah, that's a big takeaway. Kicking the butt. Like, let's go. Let's get it started. Man, I love it, dude. Just looking back at the year that we've had and all the guests that we've had on, I, like, this is film school. The Rough Cut Club is, is film school, man. Like, there's so many takeaways that even now it's like these are people with years and years of experience that, like, oh, when you hear, like, you know, a soundbite, like, oh, just keep going. And it's like, nah, bro. Like if you take that for what it is, it's like somebody has really had to keep going or somebody has really had to do X, Y, Z. And if you don't, you know, take it with a grain of salt, if you will. But like, this is years of experience. That's like boiling down something into, you know, short sound bites. But I have felt like I've gone back to film school through this podcast. Mm. And so, you know, hopefully the listeners have taken something away from it that's helped elevate their career Mm. uh, and their craft as well. Uh, And we just want to say thank you, man, to all the guests that came out uh, this year to, to spend time building this podcast and this community. And then to all the listeners as well, who have, you know, made this possible and, have supported us in the process and sent us DMS of like, Oh, thank you. Like, Oh, this was cool. Like that is, uh, you know, uh, it's encouraging to get those messages to just keep on continuing to do this. Cause it's a lot of work. Um, while podcasting is super fun, it is a lot of work. And so thank you guys for the support throughout the journey, man. It is man. And yeah, anybody watching that, uh, you know, has questions or man, we want to hear who we should have on the show next. Yep. We've got a list of guests already scheduled and signed up for season two. We've got an outreach list that we're working on for season two, but who have we not interviewed that you, uh, want us to reach out? Who should we get connected to? Maybe you're watching this and you want to be on the show. Connect with us, submit the form, uh, let's get connected and, um, man, just, we want to create a community for filmmakers. So this show is more about y'all, even though, like I said, Joey and I are benefiting very right. much from going back to film school <laughs> yeah. and this podcast. We want to keep providing content that you're excited about and want to, uh, watch. Yep. Um, with that being said, man, I got to know like 2024, let's just say this. We got to put it out there. Who is like your, who's your dream person that you would want to interview on this show i think that honestly it would be so sick to interview greg frazier mm-hmm. on the on the podcast i'm putting it out there i'm, I'm, I'm gonna give three actually i want to do greg frazier because he's iconic dp uh I, I gotta pick his brain for hours um 
I, I think this is going to happen. I'm going to speak it into existence because I think it's going to happen, but I definitely want to interview Jacob Owens uh, on the pod this year. I've already been in talks with him. It's going to happen. We got uh, his business partner coming in season, season two, and uh, I'm, I'm already putting it out there. Both of those conversations are going to be amazing because um, both of those uh, both of those people have definitely made a big impact in my, in my career. Um, and then I just had the third one, and I blanked. Who is the third one? The third one, you're probably going to say mine, which is Devin Graham. Mm. Devin Supertramp, man, I think is mine. Uh, so I'm going to, we're going to have to shoot him a little piece because, uh, man, I, you know, when I was growing up in the film world, yeah. I was watching, I mean, I was already filming before that. I don't know when Devin started. He probably started before me, but I remember when I wanted to start getting good. Yeah. I watched Devin Devin's and his a G, stuff man. and Glide Cam, and it just, I was inspired. I learned. It was education. He gave back because not only did he create really cool content, but he did all that BTS stuff yeah. and all the little like helpful things. And so I think the community that he created at that time was really, really dope. And I'd love to hear, you know, his perspective on things. Yeah. I know he's gone through a lot of different uh, times in his career. Oh, you thought of your third. Uh, my third one. Casey Neistat, we're speaking it into existence right go. now. Casey, if you ever see this, uh, I got to meet you one time in college in like a super small group of people. And it was like back when I was just getting started, I hadn't even become a freelancer yet. And to like actually have him as a guest in our house, uh, you know, would be a very full circle uh, experience for me because he's done, he's inspired me a lot through the, just how he's approached filmmaking and, you know, the, everything that he's given to the filmmaking community, Casey's definitely a bucket list guest for the show for sure. I love it. Love it, man. Awesome. Dude, before Dog. we go, I gotta, I gotta say, uh, dude, I'm such a name like origin geek. I love like mm. all the people that we've had on this show hearing about how, you know, the meaning behind already been chewed. Um, Ohm, you know, all of these things. And, uh, do you remember the Wes, uh, Myers, uh, podcast? Yep. On the farm, we had a, it was a 1967 Minneapolis Moline uh, tractor, and it was just our workhorse out there. And so this is a, it's a big tractor. The back tires are about six feet tall. Um, we had a big 15-foot uh, batwing mower, hydraulic mower, so it you know, lays out like this. And uh, so that's what we would use to move hay bales, uh, drag trailers, tear down fences, you know, just whatever. This thing could just run over trees. And um, so my brother went to college. I went to college. Uh, I have a sister. She's about seven years younger. She did not do outside chores. So my parents were like, oh, no, all the help is gone. And so they immediately <laughs> sold all the livestock. And that was it. And so my first summer back from school, the farm looks like it's 50 years older. Like the grass is mm. overgrown. I mean, everything's just like in disarray. And um, so my mom's like, oh, great, you're home. She's like, good. So I want you to get on the tractor and I want you to go mow the back. 40 acres and uh, the grass is dead. It's like this tall. And um, she goes, but she's like, don't run the tractor out of diesel. It has a crack in the diesel tank. Oof. And I was like, okay. And I mean, this is a 1960s. The gas gauge goes like this anyways. Like, you, don't <laughs> yeah. know, you don't know what you got in the tank. And so I'm out there and I'm mowing and I don't have a phone or anything. And I'm just like, man, I was like, it is hot. I was like, it is hot. <laughs> and I look down, flames are just coming out of this thing. Oh my And I'm like, gosh. oh shit. So I turn it off. Uh, all I have is a Gatorade bottle. And so like I run up and I'm like, and it's like, <laughs> you know, it just like goes up. And so Dang. I'm like, I'm about to burn this pasture down. I'm going to burn the neighbor's pasture down. Mm. You know, this is about to be a situation. I don't have a phone. I got to run through grass this tall, like a mile mm. to get back to the barn to, you know, call for help. And so I'm like, crap, yeah, that's all I can do. So I turn to run. I hear an explosion. Mm. Like turn, look around, and uh, the fire melted through the radiator hose. It's like this big around. And radiator fluid exploded and put the fire out. Wow. Whoa. Uh, so I was like, holy shit. That is probably one of the coolest name. Or His company's called Burning Tractor, and it's legit. He is like he burned down his parents tractor. So like go check out that episode for the full story, but it, it makes it when I think about cinema story, I'm like, man, I like I, when you go burn something yeah, down or what? Like, like <laughs> we got to restart our origin story. <laughs> Anyways, so sick, I yeah. I appreciate, you know, all the awesome guests. Uh if they're watching this episode, thank you so much for being on the show. Joey, thank you for pioneering and and hosting, putting the time in. Just so you know, a lot of the 
uh, questions and research has been done by our intern, uh, Bella, who's in the studio right now, uh, switching cameras. So we appreciate all of the research and hard work that she's done to the editors, uh, back at cinema story. Um, man, I I can't name them all. Michael, Andy, uh, both Michaels. We're just thankful for, uh, everything that everybody pours into this podcast to make it is what it is. And then again, going back to the host, uh, and then, you know, my business partner here, man, thanks again for making that, forcing us to do this, you know, the the vision and I help you execute and it took a while to like get it going, but you have been the lifeblood to make it happen. So Let's go 2024. I cannot wait to see who is on the show I love next. It. And with that, season one of the Rough Cut Club officially comes to a wrap. That's it, my friend. Bring it in. Oh, backwards. 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 <laughs>